Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yep. Okay. We are back. We are in the same room. We're looking at each other face-to-face. And uh, I actually remembered we had a podcast today, so score one for Heidi. Well, you, you were patient. I was a little, running a little late, but uh, but because it's Thursday, it's not Friday. I know. So. I made everyone sneak up a day, so thank you. I'm headed to Monticello to the Four Corners region to get a little work done with my husband, and then we'll be back. But I feel like a, the world has shifted since we met last. We now know Huntsman is not going to be a writing candidate. That's right. We were really debating that. Greg sent a child off uh, on a mission. I moved my kid back to college. To New York. Jim New York City, this, this kid week. of mine's going. That's a I weird know. moment woo, woo, woo. in my life. Well, it's been hopefully you can get new. New York rolling again. Yeah, they sent a Hughes to, you know, get that city back up on its feet. So. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, I, I can totally understand. That kid is a lot safer from COVID being in New York than he is being in Utah. Only because he's not a senior citizen being forced into one of those care centers, those COVID care centers, the senior care centers that Cuomo is shoving them all in. That's why. Cuomo. <laughs> we just... <laughs> we just let it pass, don't we? we yes, I love that. Jim. Right. So I want to start where we left off. I know it's old news now because um, this happened right after we recorded the podcast. But on Friday, uh, John Huntsman um, released a statement and said that he would not be running as a write-in. But what I thought was interesting is that he didn't write it without taking a couple digs on his way out. Were you surprised by that at all, Jim? Oh my gosh, Greg's got the COVID cough. Everyone, I know, very dry cough. I can't taste anything right now. Does that mean anything to you? Does that? <laughs> Is, that, is there a problem with that? <laughs> we should joking. not joke about joke, it. Joke, 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 joke. All right, you're fine. Drink your water. Okay, so Jim, uh, were you surprised by the fact that he kind of took some digs on the way out? He said there were possible irregularities around the COVID task force more than any other factor have held my attention. Were you surprised or did you feel like that's what he would do if he didn't run? You know, we have a conspiracy of silence in a lot of Utah politics because it's totally one party. And I suppose it's the same in California or New York on the other side. True, But you just don't, the brotherhood is stronger than wanting to to fight out corruption and to get good government sometimes. I mean, not, not all the time, but a lot of times those things are settled quietly in back rooms and if people need to be disciplined or if, if the deal, if they've got too much money in a state deal, these things are all handled very, very quietly. So it was a little bit uh, interesting for Huntsman, Mr. Diplomacy after all who didn't mention the $100 million and where the hell did it go and what about the contracts and what about the governor's friends and donors and why did you turn down a contract with, uh, with somebody that offered the same thing for free? It didn't come up during the campaign with a lot of uh, tenacity. I would like to say we did talk about that in the debate I held. You sure did. Phenomenal debate. That that was was. as good as it got. You guys were tough on me, too. I was in that thing. I'm telling you, 
there was a, there was no stone left unturned uh, from that debate. But I but Jim, I got to tell you, I think that a lot of these discussions happened. I was a candidate running at the time, and you know there were tests. There was uh, the state was purchasing in a very uh, you know they didn't have to use the public procurement process because we were in a state of emergency. So you could single source, you could uh, no bid contracts, and yet we were seeing that the testing was not. There was a lot of complaints and a lot of ir- ir- irregularities with the testing, and then the trace app we were told wasn't working. But that was part of the public. I mean, that wasn't there was no there wasn't silence on those issues. They just didn't get traction. They were brought up. I saw them reported yeah. on. I saw these are things that were out there, and it just didn't it it was not capturing the uh, concern of the public at large. I'm so hoping, it was there. Yeah. I mean, it was it was talked about. I'm hoping there will be lessons learned, and I think it's important probably to bring up and talk about. And it's probably one of those lessons learned where we have to go dissect once this is all over with, and hopefully over with is months away, not years away. But I mean, it's probably not easy when you're trying to make last minute decisions and quick when everyone else is buying. But there also is that same feeling of, you know, spend the same way you'd spend your family's budget if you knew, you know, you were doing it. You know, and all I can say is I think it's the reason why I think that the state of emergency is no longer an emergency. I don't think that you need to suspend your procurement process and your, you know, some of the the checks and balances that you get from a legislative branch and an executive branch. I don't think it's an emergency of that nature any longer. And so I think we should start to see the normal function of our government work. But and and so I look but it the was a window and people were willing to take some of the some of the you know, in a hastily you know, pay in a hasty pace that we had in terms of trying to help people be safe. But you know, and again, I don't think it was secret. I think it was out there. It's just people were just being understanding about the times we were in. But look, we can't continue that way. And that's where I've been pretty vocal about. It's time to be done with the whole state emergency. It's time to now get government working as it's designed. Oh, yes. But now states say they don't want to get rid of the state of emergency because they're getting extra funding for it, which is a whole other issue for another day. But before we move on from this, I do want to say very quickly uh, that Spencer Cox did send out a statement that night as well, wishing the Huntsman, the family, the best. I'm interested to see what the Huntsmans do next. I can't imagine they're going to be the kind of people who just kick back and retire. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Coxwell on his way likely to a victory. I know Jim wanted to talk about uh, Chris Peterson and his chances. I think Chris Peterson's chances, I don't know, maybe you'll disagree with me, were better with Huntsman in the race. Now there's always a chance, but he would have to fight crazy hard, don't you think? You know what? Um, He picked an interesting route, which is to – be a, a moderate Republican, and I—I I, I mean, I, I, Chris Peterson. Okay, that is, if you look at the race, it isn't as though there isn't a lot of aggressive issues out there after ten years of Huntsman uh, of, Herbert. of Herbert that you could tie to Cox. He's chosen to be absolutely meticulously silent. And he just simply refuses to to bring up hard issues, and I'm sure that the moderate Republican uh, Democrats are saying, "Don't do that. You'll you know you'll upset the the moderate Republicans and we'll lose the vote." Well, the the question is, I don't know if Mitt Romney or Mike Lee running as a Democrat for governor of Utah could win. I just don't think well, statewide I, the Democrats I, I have a shot. I think you said that nicely, and I think it's your uh, by occupational. Uh, you know, it's a obligation. <laughs> but I will just say this. The day I knew that the Democrats did not have a viable candidate for governor is when the Democrats were saying straight faced on social media and for everyone to hear, uh, 
switch as a Republican. Are you talking about change Jim the Jabakis? affiliation? Change your affiliation to Republican so you can have a choice as to who will be our next governor. If that isn't an absolute white flag, we don't have a candidate in November. So switch your affiliation and become a Republican so you can choose the next governor. Uh, you can change that narrative now, but I heard you. When well, you said well it, the Jim. point is, I heard it. Uh, look, I, I, I live in the. Re- <laughs> I, I suffered from isn't it. it <laughs> isn't it nice to live in the real world where you can actually tell the truth? You, but isn't and, that the white flag, though? Isn't that what that is? So tell the truth right now. Are you disappointed that Huntsman won't run it as a write-in? Uh, absolutely, uh, and not not just because. Uh, he might help the Democrat, but I think John Huntsman would have been a much better governor than Cox. Look, let me tell you something. I, 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 it's been a long time since we had this strong a leadership on both sides. Hughes was always really big in the House. Um, but, we, but you have two of the strongest personalities ever in leadership with Senator Adams and with Speaker Wilson. Yeah. And, you, and you go yep. down through those lists. These are tough very meticulous and very savvy kind of guys that maneuver things really, really well. They are going to eat up Cox unless a whole new Superman Cox emerges. He is going to get, he's just going to get clobbered because he's, you know, I'm so happy. Everything is so good. And that's not the way these guys play. They are tough. And from calling themselves into session whenever they feel like it to... The people gave them that power. I yes. was surprised that happened on the ballot. By people yeah. had no idea what they were doing. No, I don't think people truly understood that. I remember sitting down a few people and talking about it. It was a state of emergency, two-thirds required. Okay, I remember it. so Greg, let's yeah. talk about this. So Jim uh, told us the truth. Do you want to tell us the truth or would you like to plead the fifth? No, no. Well, Do you I'll, wish I'll Huntsman s- would have run or is it best look, that he... <laughs> Stepped out, he lost the race. Look, as a political pugilist, how could you how (laughs) could you not be interested in seeing how that would have rolled out to some degree? But what I will tell you now, and I talking about as a voyeur there. Yes, but what I'm telling you, but what I'm (laughs) going to tell you right now is that there's two things I'm excited because I don't know what pugilist means. Yes, I know you don't. You can keep feigning. You got your phone. You can Google. Here's what I'm excited about going forward. Now that this whole you know there was a deadline. Thank goodness that deadline was in August, so we can get past the conversation. But here's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about a unified Republican ticket because I want and expect uh, our president to do phenomenally well in all four congressional districts as well as down ticket the Republican candidates. But here's the word on the street. Now, I'm just Citizen Hughes now, so I'm pretty far away from the action. But I'm hearing there's a newer or a different uh, Spencer Cox, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, emerging in terms of you know, he's, you know, he's when, you're, yeah, when you're a lieutenant governor, look, the governor Herbert is the man. He's been our governor. He was governor and, you know, replaced an existing, a, a serving a lieutenant governor midterm. So what I'm hearing is that he is really starting to lean in on some critical issues that are happening in our state, preparing for this fall run, but also uh, any good candidate. And I would say this about Peterson as well. Any of them should be contemplating what life would look like if they win and what they would do at that time. I'm hearing that he's got some. His elbows might get sharper. His uh, he might lean into some of these. He is leaning. I'm here. I'm hearing into some of these issues. That's exciting. I think that we've never seen that. We've never seen Governor Spencer Cox. We saw Lieutenant Governor uh, Spencer Cox, but we've not seen the. You know, when you're the, not the boss. You're not the boss. Yeah. So let's see what that looks like. But I'm hearing early. Um, early signals are that that could be a very good. What thing. are you hearing? I mean, what is he doing? Is he yelling at people? Is he? I'm uh, hearing doing that this, this, stuff, homeless, this a- homeless situation and the cartels, uh, the drug trafficking and the human trafficking is unacceptable. And 
He's not just watching it. He's he's letting his uh, voice be heard, which is good. I we need it. We okay, do. there's a hundred million dollars that the legislature threw in over the last three or four years. Yeah, right. I was down driving um, on the west part of the city. They're back. I know. I know, Jim. I, I, I mean, know. W- breaks my heart. Is the was the hundred million wasted? Is it? Is there a chance it's going to work? Is it over? As the the police officers from the state are gone, right? The yeah. patrol. It was I never mean, a permanent. It was always yeah. it was always this bridge to get us to the new system. I will tell you, I was on the ground when we worked on that. I I took a leadership role when I was Speaker of the House. We believed at that time that that it was going to be hard, and it might be, take some political courage, which we were ready to provide as state leaders. But we also thought there was a vision where some people were so pessimistic about the, it ever changing on the ground. We we thought there it required some vision uh, to know that you could make a measurable difference. So we had we felt that we brought vision uh, and uh, the political capital. So we had the courage to put the vision, but then we also the resources that we could help marshal. But what I was not expecting is when my term ended, and we thought we created we overcame those barriers of vision. We could make a difference courage we took it on resources it should have been sustainable and we've just watched it just crumble before our eyes and so when the when the state highway patrol and the utah department of public safety left that area as planned on july 1 you can watch that if you had a if you had a time camera lapse uh, you'd see all the criminality is coming back as the department of public safety and our troopers state troopers left it's all coming back uninterrupted. I've it's it's a shame. Too that it's an it's, absolute shame. In some ways, there's been so many shops that have been closed since the pandemic began in downtown Salt Lake City that normally where you'd have people coming in and out of businesses and it wouldn't be okay to be in those doorways or be other places or camping, they've sort of taken over. I don't walk very often between the shows, but one night I went out for a walk and I actually saw a couple of our homeless friends uh, Trying to procreate in just yeah. on the sidewalk. Well, that was, in that's Street. a w- interesting way to, think, to phrase that. I was trying to think because we all need love, but I was like, yeah. I don't know if okay. it should be on Main Street in the doorway of a business. It was like a soup business. I just think that's and I'm usually like, what? that's, that's lewdness. I'm telling you, there's that's typically a crime if you can if, if things like that are happening and people can see and if minors were to come by. I, I here's the problem. I'm hearing all the same excuses I heard in the summer of 2017. Oh, you can't change it. It's not an enforcement problem. It's this. It's that. We went and we, we upped the funding for drug courts. We went and, yeah. and there was community outreach. We got more beds for behavioral health and for, you know, and, and, and drug treatment beds. We did all of these. It wasn't just law enforcement. It was a comprehensive effort, and we saw a measurable change in the climate. And people, I was, look, I was, I was volunteering time at St. Vincent's, and people were making eye contact, and they were speaking to one another. Mm-hmm. When before, when the, when the criminals were running those streets, people's eyes were down, and they didn't want to make eye contact, and there was no discussions. There was great, I believe, great progress made, and I think we have we're just losing it in real time, and it's 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 a tragedy to watch. But Jim, I got to tell you, I'm hoping that with leadership uh, and and a changing of the guard on in the in the governor's office, I mean, Spencer worked, uh, Lieutenant Governor Cox worked on this with me when I was Speaker. I, he knows that issue very very well. Let's see when he gets to the helm and when he gets the the hands on the levers, assuming you successful in November. Let's see what happens there. I'm hopeful. Let's I'm just hopeful. let's just say that obviously this is not a Salt Lake City problem. I mean, they, these people come from all over the state. I made that case, and even other states and the rest. So Salt Lake City cannot; it just cannot police 
the that that wave of, of people. It's impossible. So if the state doesn't provide either funding or officers, it will not be solved because ultimately this comes down to a, a Jim, p- police let's, issue let's as well. Real, but let's talk real here. It was an adversarial, unnecessarily adversarial relationship between the state and the city throughout this experience. When you had people camping out and drug trafficking and human trafficking happening between the, the library and the public safety building, Salt Lake City's place, uh, public safety building, and it going on there, and, the, and Salt Lake City's telling the highway patrol to not come onto that road. That is their turf, so to speak. I'm telling you that, that the kind of resources that were marshaled to deal with this, it should have been a partnership with open arms. And it was unnecessarily turfy and you know provincial. And I just, I just don't think you could do that. What we did in 2017 together... You wouldn't repeat that again with the with what we've seen rolling. Well, out. No, but here's the interesting thing that I think we have to look at too. I think that when people are talking about defund the police, I think the homeless issue actually looked at it in a way that was the way people are looking at defunding the police. Where let's get a mental health, let's try to get them a place to live. Police can't do all of it. But police are a part of it. You can't get rid of the police. It's, the police, yeah, when we lost that piece of the puzzle, I feel like everything else we work hard on went down the drain. There have to be the police. The there. lawlessness is a fountainhead for addiction. It is a fountainhead for m- more uh, homelessness. And you have people in, in very vulnerable moments of their lives yeah. who are being preyed upon actively. People look at that population with, just with one you know, one broad sweep or one broad eye in terms of everyone is in the same circumstances. They are not. There are wolves amongst those vulnerable people that are trying to get their lives together or have nowhere to go. And that is the part that you cannot, you cannot let the lawlessness go unattended or ignored. It's just well, going to make state, for more The more state better carnage. get back into the police. They got to have business. a partner. I, I tell you, I, this is what I've said, and I've said it off, you know, just kind of flippantly, but I'll say it on the record. You can fight drug cartels from Honduras and Mexico. You can fight drug trafficking and human trafficking, and then you can help people uh, with treatment beds and, and community yeah. outreach and drug courts. But if you have to do all that at the same time you're fighting a, a chief of police and a mayor, good luck. I just think it's well, too much. I, I, I just think I, it's I, way I, too much. I, 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 there should be peace, but don't blame it all on the city. I mean, it's, the bad attitude. I think it's, the, I think the, it's, the bad if only attitude. If we had a Greg Hughes governor and a Jim DeBacchus mayor, we could change it. Imagine that. What if, I, what if Greg was lieutenant governor and I was governor? Would that work? I actually think a split ticket like that would be awesome. You'd destroy your street cred, Jim. You'd never do that. You know it right, right? now. Okay, boys, we're getting okay. the lightning round oh, because uh, we're already 20 minutes in. So right. uh, I want to talk about real quickly, Salt Lake City's finally moving to the yellow phase. I think everyone's kind of forgotten that Salt Lake City was in the orange phase because the rest of us had moved on. Hmm. Uh, is this going to make any difference? I feel bad really bad for a lot of these businesses that small mom and pop shops and restaurants that may not open again. Can they survive after all this? Is, is it going to bring people back to the block? Uh, you know, I don't know if we've hit a point of no return, but you've got empty office buildings. You've got class A office where people would have come out of those offices around lunchtime or however economic activity would have occurred. It got so prohibitive that you have this new model where people are working from home. There's going to be this big question as we go through this together. Do they come back? Because there'll be a loss of productivity to some degree, but there's a cost associated with having Class A office and having people all in one spot. It's been so difficult to office or to come to work here in Salt Lake. I don't know if these big, giant skyscrapers with all these office buildings, I don't know if they get uh, inhabited again. And if they don't, 
There's a math problem with that. There's a ta- there's a question. budgetary there's yeah. a very scary budget crisis coming if you don't see people coming back to these offices in downtown Salt We're Lake. We're sitting in the bottom of is this 25 stories I think here the Wells Fargo Tower maybe a couple dozen people here. Jim will it help or is it too late and this is a new world Look, and I'm, I'm going to go back to fundamentals which is where I wish Cox would go and okay. the state would go. <sighs> Stores and businesses are not going to open again until we get rid of the virus the way they have in Wuhan, the way they have in a lot of other countries. Yes, they're coming back, but now when they come back in those other countries, they have comprehensive testing on people that, that are asymptomatic. They can tell where the, where the big uh, wildfires are going to happen, and then they concentrate troops there and this is an issue that can be taken care of but utah and too much of america are a little fat a little lazy they want to skip some of the important steps they don't want to make the sacrifices they want the politicians want to stand up and say we don't really need to do that we can all get back to work and we don't have to make the sacrifice you know what we have to make it today cases are surging again we're up over 500 cases today. Mm, um, it was right under 500, right? No, it was 503 cases the Maybe latest today. Maybe still under, yeah. Then, and you begin talking about that very important rate of positive. We should be at three. That's creeping up again close to 10. But Jim, Look, one I'm more thing, you. Greg. One more thing, and then I'll let you go. There's no shortcut You want people back to work. You want them back in restaurants. You want things to go. You have to deal with the virus, not go around it. And we're still in the going around it phase. You have the largest, you you know, you got an orange, this, this, this code orange, which is a very prohibitive. Look, you got as many people wearing masks as, as has been required in Salt Lake City, Salt Lake County. And yet you still see the cases. Here's what's going to happen. You got to get, look, CDC just quietly corrected their numbers. Turns out 94% of the reported COVID-19 deaths had comorbidities, had 2.6, meaning more than one, more than two. On average. uh, On average. I'm going to tell you that the age and the other underlying health conditions matter. Instead of just telling every man, woman, and child, regardless of age or anything else, everybody stay inside, you have to drill down to to the most vulnerable populations that are getting this. Now that we know, now that we've had time, senior centers, senior, you know, hospice centers, all those hospice care, Every single person that works there every day ought to be tested every single day. And, and we ought to be drilling down and testing uh, exhaustively to the, or for adults that are around the most vulnerable populations. And then ultimately, you are not getting rid of this virus until you have a vaccine or a way to treat it and have things to treat. And I think that the president's Operation Warp Speed is going to have uh, treatments and a vaccine that will be emerging in October and November, hope, which is maybe it will, maybe it won't. But 40% of is, Americans take a flu shot. I don't vastly see. I know there's been people saying that they'll take this one maybe more than the flu shot, but I don't know if that will solve all our Well, problems. there's going to be a scarcity of it first. Like yeah. I'm not, I don't even know if personally I want to take this vaccine first generation, but you've got a lot of first responders and people and people that are vulnerable that will, yeah. there'll be, it won't be a fight of who's going to take it or not. It, there's going to be who, who, 
are we going to get it? Because we're not we going to have, have enough if, for everybody. If we have anything. I mean, it, it, there are all of these assumptions that it's definitely coming, that the virus definitely is going to not come back to people. Um, there are a lot of assumptions. There is a way to solve all this. It's, not, it's I very know you keep simple. Everybody goes but inside, these, but it's not. But it's these not countries work. Do it. it worked in these other we're countries. Not China. Why? You can't because we're not China. You're not going to force everybody in their homes. Are we no Europe? Can come out. Are we Italy? There's plenty, Jim. There are plenty Fine. of countries that have done it. Uh, all right. Are you, know, you with saying herd Italy immunity. or Europe did a good job? Because right now they're having a surge in cases. But they're having it back, and they're and, like, and, and they're handling it. Uh, you watch what happens in Spain. I've been keeping my concentrate eye on Concentrate on your vulnerable populations. It's a, it, it matters. Work. It absolutely okay, matters. Okay, I do want to just read you these numbers. So even anyone who's listening, I think this is interesting because we're two weeks into kids going back to school, three weeks for some, and the infection rate last Thursday was 8.7%. This week, 9.4. So a slight move up. The seven-day average last week, 366. The seven-day average this week, 394. That doesn't seem extreme to me with sending back hundreds of thousands of kids hospitalizations are exactly the same and we have risen in 11 deaths i want to start talking about schools for a minute here and whether we're doing things right uh, i mentioned i dropped my daughter off at utah state this weekend moved her into her dorm came home and then realized the four dorms that were very close to her shared the same sewage pipes they shut it down uh, because they are trying to preemptively act and look for cases but i checked and today where are these numbers i just had them pulled up they only have less than a handful of cases on campus. So let's tell you what these numbers are. Students' total cases on campus, two currently? And, and Heidi, let's let's. So remember. did they actually shut down 300 kids for two cases, or have and the it, tests still look, come in? We, we so talked we, about this before. It is not the end of the earth if you get this. This is a virus that without an immunity to it, uh, we're going to get this. It's the it's the ICU beds. It's your healthcare infrastructure. You cannot overload it. They, it is the deaths and the hospitalizations that you have to keep your eye on. So the idea that we're going to have people that have this that get COVID nineteen, it's going to happen. We got to watch that the, the the ICU beds and the and the deaths. I'm going to tell you now. If you look at these kids, the trade offs of these kids not going to school. Okay. Uh, it's it's too great. You cannot do this to these children. They cannot lose year over year progress. There is a race to third grade. If you're not reading at grade level by third grade, the odds say statistics that you will have an individual education plan or be in special ed the rest of your time in public schools, which changes your trajectory in life. You cannot the the, the trade offs of just and believing that some of these single parent homes and two working parent homes can actually have their kids stay home when they're younger, particularly that it's not. You, it's too high of a trade-off. It's you too, want, you it want, you want, too dear of a you cost. You want, you want, you want, you've got to pay sick. the price. All the right, young let, kids let, are not the ones getting sick. We want cake let, and we want to eat it too, Jim. <laughs> no, the, the young ones are not getting sick. Listen like to this. like sugar-free cake because it's better for you. It just came across okay. today and it could rock your soul. Here's okay, here we go. Uh, this is fake news. I can just, I'm calling the shot early. You know what the Big Ten is? Yes. Yeah. Football. Too bad, BYU. Um, <laughs> all right. The BYU is the only team that's going to be playing this year. I think hey, everyone's going to be BYU. SEC's going to play. ACC's going to play. One third of the athletes with COVID, 34, in the Big Ten, okay. also have myocarditis, which is a weakening of the muscles around the heart. Okay. One-third of them. What we don't know is what we don't know. And this idea that, you know, just throw the kids out there. We don't know. But, Jim. What, what the... So if, a third, if a third of the football players 
have this. That's a serious disease. Are they People die of overweight football players because that's one of the comorbidities. Because we've got the. We've got the so you mean the, the quarterback? I don't know who's like lineman. super fit and trim. The but Tom Brady's uh, of the world. Also, cons- and then we got we got the guys that so we ought to let few we ought to let them die. No, no I'm no, not no, saying no, let them oh, die. Okay. I'm just saying but I'd like to know who those thirty consider this are. too. Are you telling me that so Big Ten canceled their season? So they're all home. They're they're at home. They're doing whatever they're going to do. All these athletes are they're not playing sports. They're just at home in whatever environment that is. The conferences, the Big Five power conferences that may still have it, the ACC, the Big Twelve, uh, the SEC. If those students are being tested frequently, if they are on campus, if they are being, I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction that those schools that actually do have their programs continuing forward and are monitoring those student athletes versus the PAC 12 and the big 10, who's the kids are home, wherever they live. I think they're at a greater risk of COVID-19 than the schools that have players and a season that they're still pursuing. So you're, it's, it's not shocking and stunning to you that these young athletes, a third of them, have a very serious uh, heart issue that, that that is from a virus, I believe, I think, that, that I think comes gotta, in. I think it's we don't know yes. what's going on, which is why I go back to one thing, sock shoes. That you can't sock. make it you, like you Wuhan. Guys, this you, is as, not Wuhan, China. As much as you, you want to just <laughs> skip the hard work, it ain't going to happen, and we're not going to be eating out in restaurants, and we're not going to be why. in office buildings President until Trump's you get with rid the of the vaccine. He's coming with he's coming with treatments. It's Operation. <laughs> oh yeah, everybody Operation wait for that. Warp Speed. Operation okay. Warp Speed. Because we're waiting for him to release his taxes. Okay, too. we literally have two weeks left. We have sixty-one, not two weeks. We've got two minutes left to talk here, but okay. sixty-one days till the election. You can get all your friends to sign up and vote. But really quickly, I know this is something that uh, my friend Greg wanted to talk about. Nancy Pelosi, you have to be so fast. Okay, I'll just say this: Was she naughty, or did she? Right. Just like our eighty-year-old Madam she's Speaker does not sexy. believe one thing she's saying about mask mandates because in an unguarded moment, she is in a, inside of an establishment that no one else is allowed to enter in San Francisco. The salons have been closed since March. She's not wearing one, and she doesn't need to know what the health department order is if she truly believes that that mask is going to keep her safe. It shows that she does not believe a word of what she's trying to mandate on the on the American so people. So should we ignore her? Did she screw up? Did she get set I did up? What quick. happened? Make to him Bacchus? do it quick. You do have to be uh, here's my tweet on okay. the very oh, subject. Let's so it's short. Tweet, please. Trump stole millions from the inauguration fund, rips children from their parents' arms, ignores a virus that kills more people every day than all of 9-11, and the conservatives are urinating themselves because (laughs) Pelosi got her hair done. It's it's the it's the ruling classes hypocrisy that none of these rules apply to them. They only apply to the little people, to the working men and women of this country. That's Would your the panties being a bunch though. If it were President Trump who was oh, getting if, his bangs bleached and feathered, how about Melania? Do you know if they caught Melania getting a, this hair dryer? This what, what do they call it? wash and, and I, I blow dry? I see a picture of her. You'd lose your mind. There's a picture of her. There is a mask in her hand. She's going. She's got wet hair. She's going know, from one like room to the other. If I carry it around in my hand. <laughs> Doesn't do this. I don't know. All right. All last right. question, and then we're going to go. Uh, what was my last question? Pat Bagley's cartoon. Did you guys see it uh, where he had a police officer it's going in to get a checkup? And inside of him was a white supremacist. You get to go first on this one, Jim. Was it okay because he's hitting at the heart of the matter and we have an issue in policing? Or did he put a broad blanket of white supremacy over all of our police the officers? The police and sheriff's unions, which the state loves. I mean, they hate every other union, but the, you know, the state officials just love those police and, and, and sheriff's unions. They're over at the Tribune. Um, what does Jim feel, though? Jim, Jim feels as, as though policemen... 
just go do your job. I mean, right? They were they they were also this is a two step. They a beautiful also dance. they also went after teachers. One teacher in one school uh, was talking about Black Lives Matters in a way that they didn't like, and it's very threatening when the police go after an individual. It's very threatening to have the union come after you, and I think. Policing is going to change dramatically, and it may take different people in order to make these changes. Okay. When you, you guys suck at lightning. No, round. when you yeah, when you turn. create when you create imagery of the KKK and the hoods with our law enforcement, you're doing two things. You're it is it is a gross accusation to make that the, that the, our men and women in law enforcement uh, have this internally this this desire to be affiliated with the KKK, and the more you make reckless comparisons like that then the true brunt of and the true sickness of the KKK is washed over or not appreciated as much because you've used it too often. Now, I've heard people say the same thing about Nazi Germany. Be careful about your analogies. Don't use this loosely because this was a serious uh, – it is, it is a terrible, terrible moment and stain on human history. Be careful how you how – those, those comparisons. The same can be said for that. And Pat Bagley, look – you you could get artificial intelligence to be an insane, unhinged liberal and make those cartoons this way. There's nothing thoughtful about what he does. He doesn't even attempt to have something that could even go to the other side. And it's getting more harsh as he gets older. He's going to win a Pulitzer. He is getting more harsh, oh, but uh, he definitely gets everybody talking. All right. We're going to do more talking next was that week. A li- was that lightning or what? That was not <laughs> lightning. Yeah. You guys yeah, are going to see lightning. I love this music. It I inspires me. See you next week. All right. Bye-bye.